Welcome back to the Gold Factor Podcast, your guide and gateway to a life of purpose and fulfillment. I'm your host, Bernadette Gold, transformation and high performance coach, here to lead you through another chapter of my audiobook, The Crooked Path to a Charm Life, a clairvoyant medium's journey to embracing her spiritual gifts. Now, remember, each episode of season one is a new chapter in the book as we traverse the realms of the seen and the unseen. So let's dive in and continue our adventure together. It's time to think bigger, feel deeply, and act boldly. Chapter 23, I Choose to Live. Super Bowl Sunday. Damn if that day wasn't significant in my life. February 2nd, 2014, after finishing chores around the house and taking care of our goats, I ventured to town to get groceries. I was going to take my granddaughter, Addie, for a ride to Durango, 45 minutes away. At the last minute, Brindy told me to leave her home. After a sleepless night, I figured I could run to get groceries in a mostly empty store, since everyone would be home watching the football game. Happily, I journeyed to town to fulfill my shopping list and to talk to spirit. When I drive alone, I tend to use that time to talk to spirit. It's a great time to listen and channel information for myself or enjoy communication with my guides. Just a few minutes into my trip, a download of information about vulnerability came through. I was enjoying the information flooding my mind about that topic. Information was being exchanged rapidly. Answers to questions I asked were received simultaneously when suddenly a strange vision took over the windshield of my car. While I could see the road, I was mesmerized watching this holographic vision play out. I was driving in my car, wearing the exact same sweater. My car was on the same highway, but further ahead from where I was currently traveling. Suddenly, I watched in horror as my hands went up in front of my face and all I could see were shards of flying glass. Next, the scene changed, and I watched as my lifeless body lay in a hospital bed with a bunch of tubes and machines hooked up. I could see and hear the doctor explaining to my dad that they needed to pull the plug on the life support machines. The doctor explained further that I was brain dead, and even if I somehow gained consciousness, there was so much brain damage, there was no point. As the vision continued, I watched the life of my oldest daughter, Brindy, play out in quick succession. Her life went to shit, and she committed suicide. I didn't know what happened to my granddaughter. My dad, in the hospital room, came back into view as he listened to the doctor, crumbling into a thousand pieces. Bella was there, but she was quiet, stoic. As I watched the vision play out, thoughts began running through my mind. What a crazy thought. Do I need to buy life insurance or something? Seeing the effect on my family, I thought, money isn't going to take care of this. Quickly calculating the payoff on my mortgage, 
I knew that money wouldn't solve the problem, even with a life insurance payout, especially with large hospital bills and funeral expenses. Just as the vision was fading, I said out loud, I can't go yet. My kids need me. My dad needs me. I get it. I have to stay. What a stupid, random, suicidal thought. Thinking this was just a random thought. I was slightly annoyed by the intrusion of the vision since it interrupted my conversation with spirit about vulnerability. Wrapped up in the strangeness of the hologram, I slowed down from 65 miles per hour to about 60 miles per hour on the two-lane rural highway. The vision was so real that it put me in a split consciousness. It was as if time stopped while it was happening. Within mere seconds, heading west, I noticed a white Toyota 4Runner pointed eastbound, stopped in the emergency lane. The tires of the car were slightly over the line, with the wheels cranked left into traffic. I glanced over at the parked car. As I passed, I watched in horror from my driver's side mirror a big blue Dodge traveling 65 to 70 miles per hour hit the parked forerunner, bounced into my lane inches from my rear bumper. The airbags of the Dodge deployed as he continued into oncoming traffic. Thankfully, there were no cars behind me or in front of me for miles. Then, realizing he drifted into the other lane, the driver of the Dodge cranked his steering wheel hard to the right into a ditch. His truck hit the ditch and rolled three times before coming to a stop in the pasture beside the road. I immediately pulled over and called 911. Shaken, I knew that if I hadn't had the vision that caused me to slow down, he would have bounced off the white forerunner and hit me head on. I told the 911 operator that a white forerunner was in the middle of the road, but the passengers were okay, running to the edge of the Dodge. Still on the line with the 911 operator, it could have been me. 50 feet ahead of the impact zone, I backed up to check on the victims and report their status. The Dodge was lying on its roof, smoke billowing out from the engine. Unable to walk, I stayed on the side of the road in my car, 20 feet ahead of the forerunner. Waiting on the phone with the 911 operator for the police to arrive, I worked on calming down. As soon as the police showed up, I called my dad. He offered to come get me, realizing how upset I was. I refused. In shock, a part of me thought I was dead, that the vision was real. It was so confusing because the Dodge didn't even slow down when it impacted the forerunner. There were no skid marks until he had hit the front of the forerunner. One of the drivers just ahead of the Dodge slowed down because he saw the forerunner, saying he could tell it was just about a foot into the lane, positioned to make a U-turn on the blind hill. Just as I passed the forerunner, it pulled farther into traffic when the Dodge hit its front end. 
When the police arrived, still shaken, I started babbling about the vision. I'm sure the officer thought I was crazy, failing to mention I'm a psychic. I was telling him how I saw it in a vision and slowed down, avoiding the accident. He was pleasant and asked if I needed to sit down as I gave him my report. I just wanted to leave, get my groceries, and go home. The officer told me how lucky I was that I was driving seconds slower. He said that the Dodge would have impacted my vehicle head-on, and I would be dead at that rate of speed. After being released by the officer, I slowly drove to town. Walking through the grocery store, it felt like people were giving me strange looks. Maybe it was because I had the look of shock or my tear-stained eyes. I was crying on the way to town because of the enormity of what had just happened. But realizing that the words I spoke and my choice to stay as I watched the vision play out saved my life. The weight of what I witnessed hit me like a ton of bricks. The universe gave me a choice. And once I chose to live, I avoided the collision. My mind was reeling with the knowledge that I could have been in that hospital bed. Dad having to let me go and unplug life support. Aware of my do not resuscitate instructions, he would have to agree with the doctors. It took a lot of time to process how many lives would have been ruined by my death. Something I didn't want to consider. Passing the tow truck that held the Dodge on my way home from the store was equally shocking. The truck was mangled. I could only imagine what my car would have looked like had I not slowed down and missed the accident. I was grateful my dad and kids didn't have to know or experience that. Knowing alternate realities exist in other dimensions, I also thought about the possibility that I was hit in a different reality or plane of existence. It was hard to consider that some version of me was in a hospital bed, the family dealing with the loss. Playing that possibility out in my head, I imagined the other versions of my family as stronger and able to handle it. Clearly, I had a choice to live or die that day, and I chose to live. There are moments where we experience intersection points in life. I've read Richard Bach books that talked about those points. This incident, I have no doubt, was an intersection point. I recognize that a part of me didn't want to be alive, but something deep within me shifted due to the accident. I had just gone through a breakup the week before, so I was filled with varied emotions while I processed the event. When the vision first ended, I questioned myself thinking, what, are you suicidal? That's crazy. Quickly, those thoughts were put to rest as the accident unfolded, and I realized it was a premonition. Seeing the wreckage to my family, I knew I hadn't fulfilled my purpose. Looking back to the next surgery in India, I could see it was one of those intersection points. We had to choose to spend the money and get the surgery in a third world country or face paralysis. 
If that had occurred, I would have had no quality of life and would be a burden to my family. Even in India, I prayed to live, lying on the bathroom floor with dysentery for five days, not wanting to go out on a bathroom floor in India. I walked around in a daze throughout that day, receiving understanding and insights about my life. My life hasn't been, and probably never would be, normal. Accepting a higher purpose for my life, knowing it wasn't about pure personal pleasure. It was about holding sacred space and creating an intentional, vibrational reality for whoever walked into my life, lover, client, friend, or family. No matter the role I play with others, my life as a healer, a psychic, or a mom is about taking care of and loving other people. It isn't about pleasure. In reality, my life hasn't been a very pleasurable ride. Don't get me wrong. I've had the honor of sacred communication in spirit, but my human life was challenging. I wasn't born into a life of love, joy, and satisfaction on a base level. Instead, it's been a roller coaster ride. But, like all rides, there have been highs and lows. Sitting with all of this, I finally hit a place of peace, accepting that it doesn't matter whether I get to be in love, have enormous wealth, fame, or not. I chose to stay. And what matters most is that the people that I have soul agreements with will be okay. I'm not ready for my family to crumble, so I stay. I don't mean from an egoic place, but from a knowing that there are things I energetically hold together at this time for family, clients, and friends. After this event, I felt great joy. Telling my family about the event was impactful for them, too. Brindy couldn't handle listening to it, and Dad just kept saying, You can't go anywhere. We need you here. I shared the whole event on Hidden Wisdom Radio, my old blog talk radio show, four days later. That episode felt surreal, knowing I could have been gone. This incident would help me through the enormous challenge of facing colon cancer just a year later. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Gold Factor Podcast. Want some free resources? Well, join my Facebook community, a group of heart-centered, ambitious individuals just like you. Just go and visit the link in the description, or you can go to facebook.com forward slash groups, the Gold Factor. And remember, if you're enjoying the book so far, follow the podcast, leave a review. I'd really appreciate it as we're launching and growing the podcast and share it on social media. All right. I'll see you in the next episode. Have a great day. Be blessed and be a blessing.